Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It's another edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. And I got my guy, Robbie D. Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director. He is my guest co-host, and he's got a little case of the giggles. What's going on over there, Robbie? <laughs> Tanner's uh, <laughs> set up for us. <laughs> It was the greatest thing I've ever heard where he's just like, all right, you guys ready? Okay, you're on. Yeah, yeah. No, Tanner. Um, <laughs> Tanner's a little over it today. He's been working these long hours. Uh, he is a guy who wears many hats around here. Um, he is uh, as much of a sports enthusiast as, uh, as, as anyone you'll meet. Uh, but he just, like, you know, every once in a while, he goes through the doldrums of the day, and here's this little one-hour midday show rolling <laughs> through, and he's just, like, a little over it. Like, he walked by, and uh, I didn't have the microphone plugged in, and just, like, moments before we went on the air he's like plug in your mic (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no we love you Tanner and we appreciate you being here and uh, he'll be answering your phone uh, calls if you do call in 808-296-1420 the number you can also text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance what do you want yeah yeah what Uh, all right, so uh, Robbie, uh, let's see. We got Super Bowl week here. We got uh, all of that stuff to talk about. Um, you always kind of a, a routine of yours per your schedule at KHON. You always work on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I know that that's sort of just the the way your schedule usually amounts to. You go Sunday through Thursday mm-hmm. in most instances, um, and you feel like working on Super Bowl Sunday is cool with you. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's really all I know. I mean, I. You know, I started working at KITV at 19 years old, and so my schedule there was whatever was, they gave you. Was, yeah, essentially, <laughs> and, and which was always on Sundays. And then, right, then I became the weekend anchor there, and then I was working on Sundays, and then moved to KHON, working with you. I worked on Sundays, and then when you left, my schedule changed to Sunday through Thursday, and then that puts me on Sundays mm-hmm. as well. And so, um, yeah, I've just... You know, I've worked every Super Bowl Sunday since I was 19 years old, with the exception of one year, uh-huh. and that was when the New Orleans Saints made the Super oh, Bowl. Your, your dear and, Saints. And the late, great Robert K. Kawala said, hey, bro, your Saints are in the Super Bowl. You could take the day off and watch it. I'll work. And so that was the only Super Bowl that I didn't work oh, that's as an cool. adult. So, yeah, it, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I, I, I don't know anything else. And so, I mean, I get to watch the game. And get paid to do it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it works. Yeah, that's not too bad, right? I mean, you don't have to have, like, you don't have to be at some big Super Bowl shindig to enjoy the game, right? No, nah, no. Nah, and we and You usually, could be covering Rainbow Wahine softball and like I you say, are this week. I, I'm going to miss probably the beginning of the Super Bowl because uh, good old Bob Coolen <laughs> scheduled a, a, a softball game at noon against Ole Miss. And so I'll be there, yeah. and uh, but I'll race back to the station and catch as much of the Super Bowl as I can. <laughs> no, we are excited about uh, Rainbow Wahine softball getting underway, though. They have the uh, Paradise Classic uh, getting going, the Bank of Hawaii Paradise Classic, today through Sunday. The teams they got uh, in the house, BYU, Kansas City, Ole Miss, their baseball team is coming in next mm-hmm. week, uh, and they are uh, a part of this tourney, uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Nevada and Hawaii. So, um, all right, uh, that that's interesting because Charlie Wade's been talking a little bit um, about how the original setup for this week's series with Stanford was supposed to be Friday, Sunday, like uh, what the schedule mm-hmm. was last week for Tusculum. 
And then it sort of dawned on both he and John Costi, the Stanford head coach, that uh, Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday. And so we were talking with Charlie earlier in the week, uh, and he was like, yeah, yeah. So we had to move it up to, to Wednesday, Friday. It was a quick turnaround for us. And, you know, we didn't want to play on Super Bowl Sunday. And I was like, since when, yeah, Charlie? They, they, You've scheduled it like all three the time. different times. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> As you were telling that story, I was like, I hope he's not going to say what I think he's about to say, and that Charlie doesn't want to play on Super Bowl Sunday. It's like, dude, you've done it yeah. a gazillion yeah, a times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there have been many times where I've walked into that arena like, I hope they're playing the game on the big screen or something yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, we're missing it right now. But, yeah, Super Bowl Sunday coming up, uh, and uh, and it'll be a work day for Robbie D. But that's cool. That's a great story about Robert Kikala, right? He had your back. He would uh, throw you some cool gestures like that. Uh, and it reminds me of a, of a story uh, that um, involves you and Robert and <laughs> actually a recently retired, uh, one of your favorite, uh, recently retired NBA players, Ricky Rubio. You were always I like a big you're Ricky going Rubio as, fan. As soon as you said just, a you, fun it, little story with Robert. You just When you mentioned Robert and sort of that gesture, you know, kind of like, you know, being the nice guy giving you the day off, I'll work for you, it's your team in the Super Bowl. And it just reminded me of like some of the things that, that he did for you. And in this <laughs> instance, he knew you were a big Ricky Rubio fan and would you like to take the baton of the story here? Yeah, so Ricky Rubio, this is like his rookie year or second year. He, he's with Minnesota, and uh, Robert comes into work, and I see he has this jersey draped over his arm, right? And it's a Timberwolves jersey, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And he goes, hey, bro, I got you something, man. <laughs> it's my birthday, it's right? So, it's, <laughs> so he's like, I got you something, man, Ricky Rubio. And so he holds it up, and it's the front of the jersey, and it's just a— Timberwolves jersey, you know, oh, with his number awesome, on man. it. So and was, thoughtful. And I was like, oh, man, thanks. I appreciate it. And he hands it to me. He's like, I got him to sign it for you. And I was like, no way. And so I turn it around right in the back where, where it has his name and the number. And uh, and I see the signature. And I'm like, oh, thanks so much, uh, you know, and I uh, appreciate it. And, and he goes, read it. Read what he wrote. And <laughs> so I look at it and it says, like, hey, Rob, best wishes. And I thought I had a big nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And I was like, "Thanks, bro." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's personalized, right? So, I mean, nobody else has right, a Ricky exactly. Rubio autographed message that says that it's one of a kind. It's one of one. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> the give or take yeah. of Robert Kekala's kindness, right? Exactly. It's hilarious, dude. Exactly. He's like, "I'm gonna do something really sweet." But there's going to be a little spice yeah, to it because yeah, that's that, just how it is. It's like when you hug somebody. It's like a bro hug, and you just kind of have to slap them on the back and be yeah. like, I love you, but I'm still hitting you, bro. Yeah, you know? Exactly. That that was uh, <laughs> the relationship with Robert at all times, man. It, it, it And it's awesome. I still have that jersey. It, it's in my closet, and, and anytime I'm going through uh, through clothes, I see it. I think of the big guy, and yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, if only one of these days uh, you were able to actually meet Ricky Rubio, and then you could tell him that story. That would yeah. be pretty classic. Yeah. Uh, all right, 808-296-1420, the number. Text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Do want to talk about some Rainbow Warrior volleyball. They had uh, that big win against Stanford last night. But let's go uh, to the texters here first. Uh, let's talk UH men's basketball. I want to hear Rob's take on where the team is at in the past eight years outcome what needs to be done uh aka improved if ganat continues to lead this program this texter says future is scary as to where the program is as of today um all right yep 
fair question. I think that's the sentiment of, of a lot of fans out there. They're a little worried about the trajectory here of this season. Hawaii has a couple of tough home games here lined up in this uh, two-game homestand this week. Uh, UC San Diego, which is tied for second there in the house tonight. You have UC Davis, also one of the top, uh, two of the top three teams basically this weekend, UC San Diego and UC Davis, uh, who are all in the mix right behind UC Irvine, who's in first place. UC Davis coming in on Saturday. Uh, you have the two top scorers in the Big West Conference in Bryce Pope tonight, Elijah Pepper for UC Davis on Saturday, uh, and just two teams that are playing pretty well, whereas Hawaii, it's been an up-and-down kind of battle. They gave up 93 points to Irvine, which is in regulation a uh, record under Aran Ganat. It's the most points that Hawaii has given up in regulation uh, under uh, Aran Ganat. And so, um, you know, but they did get that road win against Fullerton, and that was a fully-powered Fullerton team. They were missing their top score the first time they played on Hawaii's home floor, and uh, Fullerton ended up winning anyway, but uh, that was a pretty solid win for Hawaii, but then right after that, it's back into uh, some issues both at the defensive and offensive ends, uh, and so there are a lot of people that are, I think, feeling just a little bit bummed out about where things are right now. What's your response there to the texter? Yeah, two weeks ago, the last time I was here, I mean, we talked about an hour yeah, uh, right. on this subject, right? And, and so, and, and since then, uh, since that time that we talked about it, they're two and one since that day that, that, that we talked about it. And so they're pretty much in the same spot that they were uh, when we're discussing it. And yeah, I mean, you get the frustration. I think the one thing that everyone has to, to remember, and it, it, whether you're looking at this at any level, is that University of Hawaii men's basketball is really those indoor sports are a little different than others at UH where it's like, okay, in football, you constantly hear the rebuttals of, you know, the lack of facilities and this, that, and the other thing. And there's so much stacked against them and trying to win and trying to win this rat race in the Mountain West Conference. I think in the Big West Conference, for a sport like men's basketball, that doesn't exist. I mean, your facilities are better than everybody else's. Your arena is better than everybody else's. You're the only team in the conference that has a television contract, right? I mean, there's so much that is going for the program that I think that's what leads to frustration from fans, uh, from boosters, if they're not winning. And so, you know, this is the first time that we've seen since the, the year after the um, the sanctions were announced and, uh, right, they, they lost a lot of players in that year. And this is about the, the roughest we've seen this basketball team. With that being said, this Big West Conference is so jumbled up that they're really one or two wins away from leapfrogging other teams and getting into that top four. They're two games out of fourth yeah. place right now. And so uh, I think it's too early to have the conversations of of what happens from here because there's still so much left in this Big West Conference. And like I just explained, if they go on a two-game winning streak, they're automatically in, I mean, they're in a snap of a finger in fourth place and a game out of third, right? And so... Um, we have to just see how this plays out in the Big West Conference Tournament, assuming that they get into it. And, and then, yeah, it is a conversation that needs to be had. Um, a big reason why is because of attendance as well. I mean, that is number one. You need people to come and watch you play. And if uh, the attendance is as low as it was a couple of weeks ago, where you had just over 2,000 people. Now, that Saturday game of the same week, coming off of a big loss, you had almost 1,000 more people show up to the game. So um, that's a positive sign, but you need people to come and watch this team play. And if people aren't coming to watch them play, then it becomes 
the chicken and the egg thing, and it becomes a snowball where things are only going to get worse if there's less money coming into the system, there's less money coming into the program, and all the things that you need to accomplish from there. So it, it is a conversation that needs to be had at the end of the season, though I don't think that we're in a place right now where you make a decision one way or the other based on a 4-7 and seven start in the Big West Conference. Yeah, still got nine games left in conference play. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, if they could somehow pull off a win over one of these top-tier teams here this week, uh, then that sort of negates one of the previous bad losses, right? Yeah. And, uh, now the math is being done where it's like, all right, where are the wins remaining just to get into the tournament? Because yeah. Hawaii is tied for eighth. Uh, the top eight teams qualify for the tournament. Now UCSD still not eligible, and so that helps a little bit. That's one team that's out of the way, but you got to finish in that top eight just to make the tournament. Uh, there are enough games, like you said, though, even remaining on the schedule, games that you would have to still, even with the way this team has kind of been struggling and, and been inconsistent, that you would still look at and say, okay, those are some not necessarily likely wins because I don't think we're in a position to be able to assume that, uh, but those are definitely more possible uh, type of victory games for Hawaii at Cal Poly. They still have at Riverside, and then they're going to close the regular season schedule at at home against CSUN and Bakersfield. And so if they could get maybe two of those last three, if they can pull off uh, that, that win at Cal Poly um, and then somehow get one of these uh, victories, perhaps steal one against one of the uh, topper, uh, top echelon teams, upper echelon teams in the conference, then you're right. Then maybe they threaten even getting into a top four uh, position, which would give them a single buy as opposed to the double buy that the top two seeds going into the tournament get. Uh, but you know what? That's a lot of ifs mm -hmm. and that's a lot of hoping. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, fans are, are very much in a, a wait and see kind of mode. If not, uh, uh, some are a little bit more disenchanted than others, like it sounds like uh, that texter uh, to this point might be. Uh, another texter um, <laughs> texts in and says, Ganat cannot. Hey, all right, let's <laughs> got to at least give a thumbs up there for the creativity. Let's move on with a new coach. And I agree with you, uh, Rob. I just don't think you'd make that kind of drastic uh, move and decision now at this time like you let the story kind of play out a little bit more this year because if things somehow turn a corner or you know maybe other teams somehow hit the skids and that opens the door for Hawaii anything can happen in a big west tournament format uh, and if something uh, were to occur where Hawaii somehow goes on this like magical run then I think that changes the paradigm that changes the conversation considerably so you gotta let I think uh, the, the story play out so that you have all of the necessary data to make the most informed decision whether or not it's continued to go forward as is or whether or not Craig Angelis uh, wants to uh, consider uh, making some kind of adjustment or some kind of change. Uh, but an interesting text. We appreciate you guys uh, coming in with that. Uh, here is another text. This is a little bit off uh, topic, but uh, could you please explain the NIL to me? I know it stands for name, imaging, likeness. Uh, it seems like schools are just giving out money. I thought it was supposed to be for individual student athletes to make money off private company endorsements. Uh, I know this would primarily, uh, primarily benefit the big name skill players of revenue producing sports, but then again, it seems like they're just giving out money to team members in general. Also, as my recollection is, it started when Ed O'Bannon saw himself in a video game and thought he should be compensated for it. Yeah, Ed O'Bannon actually was mm -hmm. at the forefront of the movement, the lawsuit that initially triggered uh, the domino effect that would lead to the NIL 
mechanism that we are uh, confronted with today in college sports. Uh, and uh, the NIL is somewhat inconsistent depending on what state you're in, what institution you're dealing with, uh, because there is no sort of federally accepted um, set of guidelines and structure for NIL. Uh, and so every state is basically left to its own device and left to its own decision making as far as how they want to enforce the NIL rules. And in most instances, they actually leave it to the institutions themselves to come up with whatever NIL structure uh, that they want to come up with. There are some rules that are in place, but they're a little bit ambiguous, right, where schools can't directly pay NIL money uh, to their athletes, but they can be associated with these collectives that are sort of on the periphery, uh, and things get a little murky in there for sure, but things were already like that, you can imagine, even prior to the NIL era, where there were booster monies and, and those kinds of things that were also flowing through. So it's a, it's a very tough and ambiguous kind of a structure at the moment when it comes to uh, the NIL. Um, what do you make of uh, what that texter was asking about? Well, I think you explained it perfectly right there. I mean, you, you essentially laid it all out as far as what it looks like, what the issues are. The issues are that there aren't very many guardrails uh, for the NIL. It's so new and that there is no overseeing you know, committee or organization that oversees everything within the NIL. And so everyone's kind of left to to do it on their own. And with the few rules that are in place is just trying to follow it in that regard. But, you know, even those rules are pretty fluctuant, right? So it, it it's kind of crazy. And, and you think that over time, it would become more structured as far as these are the do's, these are the don'ts. And, uh, and you're going to start seeing more people being penalized for what they do. I mean, you know, it's a lot like the transfer portal, right? You know, it's funny, a couple of weeks ago when Brent Brennan got that job at Arizona and there was a big question about Noah Fafita and uh, McMillan, will, will they be leaving the program? Those are the two prize cows uh, of that football program. And um, so what happens is for a 30-day period, anytime a coach leaves, the transfer portal opens for those players to go into, right? Any player that's on the roster, if your coach left, even if it's a time that the transfer portal is closed, it reopens for only those players. But you have to enter the portal, right? It's not just it's open and you can do whatever you want. And so it's kind of interesting that their announcement, Fafita and McMillan's announcement is saying that they're staying at Arizona was essentially revealing that they've talked to all these programs, you know, in Alabama and, you know, and all these other, mm -hmm. uh, and Washington, and, and they laid everything out and they decided that they were going to stay at Arizona. And, and But they never entered the portal, right? So it's interesting that in and of it, <laughs> just of that, is explaining that, like, there needs to be more structure yeah. to it because you can't have two players that are essentially holding interviews with other teams to see if you're going to go there and then ultimately decide not to go without never, ever going into the portal, which is what makes the Braden Shaker thing interesting is that Braden did it the right way, where he said, hey, I'm going to go see what my options are, enter the portal, decided, oh, I'm going to stay at Hawaii. But then that ends up being a negative towards him, right? And, and a lot of fans are having a hard time forgiving him, quote unquote, for doing that. But then you probably have guys on the team that have already done this without ever entering the portal because no one seems to be penalizing anyone yeah. for doing it, right? And, and to me, it's like, okay, I understand this thing is so fast moving. The NCAA sort of has washed its hands of it, if you will, uh, as, as far as trying to come up with the, the schematics around it. But uh, to me, it's like, all right, if you have one rule, like one rule 
that that should apply in all instances. It's you got to at least be in the portal yeah, first right? before you start fielding these like quote unquote offers. And and it's just it's so weird to me uh, that you can almost have this this open conversation uh, with people who are indirectly or directly connected to these other institutions. Like, hey, pss, pss, I hear that there might be some cashola available for you if you go over to this school. And it's like, oh, really? Okay, I'm gonna enter the portal. Like, you can't have that. Like. That's the one rule that you have to have in place before you do anything else. At least that one rule. You know what's funny is this goes back years, and I, uh, Brock Steptoe, right, came from San Jose State, if I believe, or if I, maybe I'm getting him confused with someone else. But there was a guard for the University of Hawaii basketball team during the Gib Arnold era who played for San Jose State previously, and in the handshake line after a UH San Jose State game, Gib Arnold shook the hand of this player. And said, you're a really good player. I really enjoy watching you play. And then they went their separate ways. So that when it was time for this player to transfer, he knew that Gibb liked his game. And went to Gibb and said, like, hey, man, I want to come play for you. And Gibb was like, absolutely. And I remember at that time, it was, like, scandalous of, like, oh, was Gibb allowed to do that? Like, was he allowed to, like, (laughs) wink, wink, nudge, nudge? Tampering. And then now (laughs) is you're having, like, full-on tampering. And, I mean, it is, like, widespread where it's not hidden, and people are being quoted to talking about having interviews with players that are currently on rosters of other teams. It, it, it's wild, man. It just It's crazy how much can change in 15 years, 10 years. Yeah, no, that is uh, incredibly uh, wild stuff. And, it, you know, it's not slowing down anytime soon. Uh, we'll see if we get any uh, sort of guardrails or, or just rules in general put in place to make things a little bit more consistent. Upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at Kahala.com. All right, we're going to talk a little Rainbow Warrior Volleyball when we come back. Is it the best show in town, you're listening to Let's Talk Sports. Hey, right on. Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy along with Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports. We're in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. 808-296-1420, the number to call. Text into that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, let's get to some text. Wait, wait, wait. Someone uh, answered. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 So um, we actually were searching because you had mentioned there was a player that Gibb kind of sweet-talked in the handshake line uh, after a game. Uh, it was after a WAC tournament game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think San Jose State had bounced Hawaii in the first round of the WAC tournament or something. And uh, and so we were like, which guard is it? You had mentioned Brock Steptoe. And we weren't able to think. Texter comes in clutch and says Keith Schamberger. Indeed, Keith Schamberger. Yeah, Mahalo was the for former that, San Jose that State guard who ended up finishing up his career at Missouri. Yep. Actually transferred again. Uh, all right, let's get to a couple other texters here. Uh, Coach Ganat has two more seasons on his contract after this year. Yeah, he signed on through the 25-26 season. Has UH ever bought out a coach's contract? UH doesn't seem to have money. Uh, that last part is correct. UH doesn't have a lot of money, <laughs> yeah. but they have done that. Yeah. Norm Chow actually would be an example of a coach. I uh, want to see Bob Nash as well. Uh, Bob Nash may have been bought out too. Yeah. You're right. So it's 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 happened. Uh, Todd Graham was going to be bought out until he decided to um, um, act magnanimous for whatever reason and and uh, and forwent uh, the uh, the potential buyout there on that uh, contract. But yeah, it has happened. It wouldn't be uh, unprecedented. Uh, if uh, if that's what you were wondering. All right, let's go to another texter here. 
Uh, oh, last thing on the UH uh, men's basketball thing. Uh, we were talking a little bit during the break. And, you know, where I think, you know, Aranganat deserves some credit for the fact that uh, in the previous eight years, seven of them have been winning seasons. And you can talk about the scheduling and those kinds of things. Uh, it has been a well-held-together program. Uh, it has been a clean program. Uh, the student-athletes do an incredible job in the classroom. I think this year's team is going to, like, set a new uh, standard for, like, team GPA and all of that stuff. And, yeah, I know at the end of the day it's a results-based industry uh, based on what's happening on the court. But I did want to kind of bring up some of those points uh, and also maybe provide uh, another lens, which is, I think, part of what exacerbates some of the level of, of criticism is the fact that uh, this has been happening while juxtaposed to what Laura Beeman is accomplishing with the Rainbow Wahine basketball team. And yeah, you know, you can say apples and oranges, whatever, uh, but I think also being juxtaposed to the fact that uh, we were at a volleyball match last night, uh, men's volleyball, on a Wednesday night, and mm -hmm. they got over 5,000 people in the arena, and you were talking about the attendance, and I think just some of that stuff, because it's so directly comparative, um, it, is, it is something that I think adds maybe a little pressure or just adds a little bit more uh, to some of uh, a little more heat maybe to some of what the uh, conversation or criticism would otherwise be yeah and, and and this is you know no disrespect to the other sports but you know if you're an athletics director or you're anyone within a, an athletics program you want number one attendance to be football and number two to be men's basketball you want that in just in every program because it's the one that brings in the most money and 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 not from the term of well whoever sells the most tickets brings in the most money but no march madness right at the yeah. end of the year and if you're able to play in the post you know all these things it, it, it has the bigger payday at the end of the year than any other sport and so the fact that the university of hawaii i want to say it's probably goes football then men's women's volleyball then maybe even baseball, who averages 32, I think, right? I saw a, a, mm -hmm. something put up in the when they're announcing their season tickets. Um, and then basketball is in that mix, right? And so maybe basketball is a little bit, men's basketball is above baseball, but just by a, just a little bit. But baseball has greater expenses as well because it's a larger team and yeah. stadium and, and facility. So and, yeah, and that, so that's an issue at the end of the day is you need men's basketball higher on that list. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of men's volleyball, how surprised were you, Texter asks, uh, how decisive sets two and four were last night? Hawaii taking down Stanford in a top five matchup. They dropped the first set 25-21 uh, and then uh, bounced back, flipped the script, hit over 500 in the second set. Uh, set three was a little more competitive, but Hawaii would pull that one out. And then they just ran away and hid uh, in the fourth and final set. So a big win for Hawaii. They improved to 9-1 and one on the season. It was the second straight loss for Stanford. They were previously unbeaten. They were 7-0 for the first time since 1998 before losing to CSUN and then to another Big West team uh, in Hawaii last night. Uh, I know Stanford was missing their star outside hitter, uh, but it seemed their issues more so came with handling UH's serves and just errors in general, whether hitting or even setting. Yeah, Will Rotman, who is uh, simply one of the uh, top hitters in the country, is averaging four kills per set, one of the most prolific uh, swingers in the country, just an incredible two-time All-American player, uh, didn't make the trip due to uh, what we are told is a lower extremity, lower leg uh, injury of some sort. Uh, and so that's a huge absence. I mean, that's like Hawaii going on the road without Spiros Hakkas, right? I mean, that's just a major, major piece. Uh, but boy, they looked good in that first set. And I do think uh, that this texter is Akamai and pointing out that it's because because in the first set, they were handling Hawaii's serves 
very well. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they were digging up a lot of Hawaii's swings at the net, too. Uh, they just played exceptionally well. They were really sharp. Uh, and I think it wasn't until Hawaii started to serve tougher and just get them a little more out of system, at least more frequently, that they were able to find a, a, more of a rhythm on their side and just kind of get Stanford a little bit off kilter because, uh, man, everything was working for Stanford because they were putting those uh, pass receptions uh, or the serve receptions on the money with those passes, uh, and that allowed uh, their uh, setter, who's a, a really, really good setter in Litsky, uh, allowed him to either work middle or pin or even the bick, which, like, uh, Hawaii wasn't reading at all. There were no blockers even up on most of those first uh, bick swings. And so, yeah, I think that that's it's simplistic in nature, just philosophically speaking, but uh, that's how Hawaii is going to win matches this year is they're going to serve tough, and we saw that starting to take effect more and more as that match went on. Yeah, and that opening set, too, you could look at the offensive side for Hawaii. It almost seemed like there was like some um, calibration that was needed because Spiros and Chaz the combined. I want to say like seven errors in the first set yeah. or something like that, and a lot of it came because they were hitting down the line, which they were getting, but they were just hitting it outside of the line, right? And so it almost like they needed to to kind of just get going, and and a lot of it has to do with Spiros and Chaz not playing a whole lot in those series against Tusculum and, and you know, they, they, they weren't needed early matches, in the year. Yeah. And, and so when you see them back in their opening set and they were playing like that and they had these weird unforced errors, um, it was only a matter of time before it's like, okay, Spiros and Chaz are going to get this thing going, and they did, and especially Spiros and then Alaka Itad, who is playing like the best player in <laughs> college volleyball right now. And when you look at like just how he's done it, where I can't ever remember a player – um, and, and and maybe this will trigger someone and you'll think of someone even in another sport, but can you think of a guy that through success, right, for five years, he's there, you see him, you see him in camp, you see him, um, you know, uh, cheering his teammates on, maybe they come in when they're playing a team that, that isn't the best, but just really has no impact on the success of the program from an on-court value for five years, right? And, I mean, I remember the the first two national championship matches, I want to say, he's sitting in the crowd, right? He's not on the court in uniform. And, and so, um, and then gets his opportunity and then does what he is doing. I mean, he, I, I want to say, I don't know if after last night, I mean, he, he didn't have very many errors last night. He's got to be leading the country in hitting percentage, right? Because uh, he was entering the week, I, I believe. And, and so the how he's just taken this opportunity and done what he's done with it is something I've never seen before. I can't think of a time that it's been like this, where someone has been, you know, behind... For uh, that for that long a period of time, yeah, and then yeah. for the reasons why behind Rado Parapunov, one of the greatest players yeah. of all time. Okay, Rado's out of the program now. Demetrius Muklius yeah. comes in and he's taking your reps. One of the greatest players of all time, and then finally get your chance. I mean, it is astronomical what he's doing. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I think for for there to be a player that has sort of bided their time for that long a period, I'm not sure how much precedent 
there is for that. I mean, like I'm trying to think of you know some other guys where you know they were just sort of uh, on the periphery, and mm-hmm. then once they got out there, it was like, oh man, uh, one of the first names that comes to mind, but he wasn't sitting around as long. Uh, it was maybe one season after transferring was uh, James Fenderson uh, okay. for the UH football yeah. team because he was primarily a special teams guy, yeah. and then all of a sudden gets his shot at running back. And he just blows up in the 2000 season. Um, so yeah, that that would be the one of the comps. I mean, I'm sure there are some others out there, but for for a guy to be around a program that long and then to finally get his chance and to be playing the way that this guy is playing to get a career high because it's one thing to go career against you know Purdue, Fort Wayne. It's like oh man, he had an awesome uh, road swing and oh man, he balled out against Tusculum. It's like wow, that's really cool. Good on you, Alaka. And it was. I mean, it's still one of the amazing stories. But then to have that stepping up in the competition in the form of number five Stanford uh, and for him to be uh, a feature where on a night where Hawaii was having some of its own issues in serve receive. And so they were having to go high ball, whether it was to the outside pin or whether it was uh, to Alakai on the right side. And he was coming through. Blockers were waiting and he was ripping it through. He was hitting hands and getting kills like this dude is on a bender right now, and that's why I think I said in the broadcast last night, in Todd we trust, because yeah. certainly for Alakai Todd, uh, it, is, uh, it is rolling right now. And it's just one of the more remarkable stories in this uh, first third phase of the men's college volleyball season. And you brought it up before we went to commercial break. Is this the best show in town? I mean, it's hard to argue against it, right? I mean, because not only are they, I mean, they're incredibly good and we all know this and we know the program that Charlie's built and the kind of athletes that are coming to play men's volleyball at the University of Hawaii. But then you look at the competition they go against, right? Where, especially now that you got into this point of the season where it's bangers, bro, every week. And so the quality of play on both sides of the net, the kind of rallies that we see in men's volleyball now that you never used to see before, I mean, it gets you on the edge of your seat. And so, yeah, I mean, th- this is the best show in town right now. And and you got to go down to the arena and check it out. Like, you have to go. I mean, watch it on Spectrum Sports if you can't make it. You listen to it on ESPN Honolulu. But get down to the arena because that is such a fun atmosphere. Last night was epic and yeah. it was a wednesday night yeah i mean you had over five thousand on a wednesday night is is unreal and and i was just thinking to myself as the match was going on we were getting deep into that thing and the crowd was just loud and rowdy and and was just fantastic uh and i was just thinking to myself like is there a better thing <laughs> than watching high level volleyball in that building uh you would have to say uh, particularly for men's volleyball because you know women's volleyball has been crushing it for for years and years and years but you have some pockets in the midwest now like in wisconsin and nebraska where they're setting records and those crowds are off the chain uh and so you know you got to kind of give it up like all right they've stepped up they've caught up and in some cases you could argue maybe have even surpassed some of the uh uh fan interest you know certainly attendance-wise in those areas. Uh, But for the men's side, for men's volleyball, is there a better place in the world, like on earth, than watching high-level volleyball in that building? Correct. Like professionally, right? I mean, there is no... I mean, you talk to the guys that that played at the University of Hawaii and they come back in in their time off and and I asked them about their, their situations and their experiences up there and they love it and they're having a great time, but they say, man, there's nothing like the Stan Sheriff Center. Like anywhere they go in the world and there's crazy volleyball fans and places in Europe and but nothing touches a high level game 
at the stand. Yeah, it is It is incredible stuff and a huge win uh, for the Rainbow Warriors last night. A texter uh, texting in uh, based on our last conversation. We're talking about uh, Alaka Itad and any other comps you can think of uh, in UH lore. This texter comes in with a fairly recent one, Zygmars Rymo, uh, who was, yeah, kind of waiting around. Uh, he would maybe be the best example of, you know, Ron Gannat talks a lot about player development mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Uh, I think Zygmars Rymo would maybe be the guy he would want to push as exhibit A of like, all right, this is a guy that you can objectively say developed in our program and turned into a pretty good player based on where he was uh, when he first got here. Yeah, and, and Zygmars uh, is a guy that, I mean, he played a lot you know, as he developed, right? I think the the exception, and, and I think that's a great suggestion, the exception, though, is Zygmar's Rymo never led the country in statistical categories, right? <laughs> like, he was never, like, the top field goal percentage in the country or leading the conference in points per game or rebounds per game or anything like that. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that Alaka Itad is doing right now. Where And it's, and it's a big sample size. I mean, we're through 10 matches, right? So it's not like it's, you know, like, oh, through the first weekend— I mean, this is yeah. double digits. Yeah, and he's doing this, and he's putting himself up on this national list. That, that as far was as the that was the one go. last night. Was the one where I was like, "Oh, this is like for real, for real." Like yeah. he's doing this against Stanford. This is this is for real, for real, unreal. Uh, and give uh, credit to uh, Charlie Wade for kind of sticking with him uh, early on in the season. You know, was uh, tempting to to maybe try to ride Louis Sakanoko because he was that that brand new flashy piece with all those aces in his debut. Uh, and Charlie kind of you know let both of those guys try to show their stuff. And Alakai came back in the mix as a starter and was like no I, I got i got this at least for the time being and not only came in as a starter but it, they needed him on the road Correct, yeah and he came in in that second set when they weren't looking uh, too hot against uh, Lo- uh purdue fort purdue wayne, fort wayne yeah. right and, and so i mean he's showing in glimpses too of like hey it's, it's not just i deserve to be starting it's i deserve to be there because you need me yeah yeah like right? you can actually ride me fellas. yeah and yeah. there's a place for louis sakonoko right oh, they, yeah. they're gonna need him especially down the stretch i mean in tournament play, if you got Sakanoko, you got Kioni Tim, you know, coming in as serving specialists, and, and if Alakai can play the way he's playing, but Spiro's uh, on the opposite side, and Chaz, like, yeah, they are dangerous. Dude, they got some, they got some weapons. Yeah, the Kioni Tim needs a shout out too for how he finished that game uh, with Hawaii closing that match on an 8-0 run, and he was the guy at the service line. Uh, just really, really fun stuff. Um, I know you can't, Rob, because you'll be working, but uh, everyone else can watch the NFL's big game on Sunday with friends at 8.50 draft... Uh, <laughs> 8.50... Why are you looking at me like that? It's like you're like looking at me with such disdain. You're like, I want to go. 8.50 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar, home of the big video wall, a new menu featuring crispy leech on pork, uh, chili with bacon-wrapped hot dog, pizza made-to-order, plus chopped steak, garlic shrimp, and lots more. Uh, 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl in the Pearl City Shopping Center. No, but have fun at work, Rob. We'll be yeah. back. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy, Rob DeMello, still trying to figure out how to put his uh, headset on. You don't want to mess up your hair. I think that's the, the issue you're running into. Yeah, you usually your hair's all done already. You're you're ready for your uh, sports anchoring already this evening, See, and I, you don't want to mess it up. I had to do something this morning at work, and so I had already 
comb my hair and all that. And usually I come here in a hat. I'm, I'm <laughs> so this is the first time I've had to, I had to put this headset on. And, and the thing you got to remember is I, I need this to last me until the 10 o'clock news, right? And so it's noon, bro. Like I still have like another 10 hours to go. Oh, man. No, I, nothing sounds more everyman than a guy talking about, <laughs> I need to let this uh, gel and styled hair last for the next 8 to 10 hours. <laughs> Hater in the holly. I know. The guy wearing a hat you know, says across you. Uh, all right, Texter. Ganat is a great human being, does great community service, recruits well-mannered players, but recruiting athletes, a.k.a. dogs, player development, non-conference scheduling, lack of a transition game, and attacking has been lackluster throughout the years. Uh, it's pretty long Sincerely, text Sincerely, Artie Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I heard dogs in there, yeah, yeah, so yeah, dogs, I'm just yeah. assuming. Uh, <laughs> no. The year he won the Big West, he had the athletes and dogs that Gib recruited, and Gib Ganat credit got them to execute his system in that one year. That's why I think it's his recruiting and player development that could be a big factor uh, why we haven't seen that level of performance since. Plus, I don't think Ganat has evolved through the years as the other teams know his system already. That's a fair concern. Fair concern, uh, without a doubt. Uh, All right, 808-296-1420, the number to call or text via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, This text is a little harsher. It's time. It's time that we get a new men's basketball coach. I'm tired of one and done. Attendance rates are dropping. Season ticket purchases are dropping. Players are not happy. It's time. I don't think it's necessarily time right now you know like uh, th- that's something that the uh, craig angelus and the powers that be are going to have to address uh depending on how these last nine regular season games go depending on how the big west conference tournament goes there's still time for this thing to change course uh and i i don't think that it is time right now mid-season to pull the plug on anything or make that kind of uh, drastic decision uh, there will be a time to address it and who knows what that decision will be and who knows what uh, the narrative of this season will ultimately be uh, in hindsight. Uh, So a lot of things can change uh, as far as the narrative here. Absolutely. I mean, we've been saying that here for the last couple of weeks where you need to let this thing play out because the Big West Conference, I mean, the separation isn't that big. And if this team gets hot, then it changes everything. It changes how we view this program. It changes the the face of of how this season went. And so you just need to let this play out and, and be able to make the best informed, educated decision at the end of the season. But all these things that are being brought up are all things that are going to be part of that decision, right? Attendance is a big one. I mean, I know I sound like a broken record, but, you know, obviously you want to win more basketball games, but the attendance is the one that that's what's really jumped out to me this season, where it it is... That's the issue that you have. If people aren't coming to watch you play, whether you win or lose, that ultimately hurts the program at the end of the day. And so that's something that needs to be discussed. Um, I do also agree with what the previous texter said, uh, because I think we both know Iran uh, well enough to be able to say, like, uh, legitimately, genuinely, uh, he's a good dude. And I think he has all of the best intentions in mind. Uh, If you want to question some of the execution of that, some of the implementation schematically, some of those things, I think that's fair. That's what fans do, right? Um, But I think uh, the one thing that I would draw the line at is if uh, if anyone were to question uh, just sort of his moral character and and his intention, I I don't think that that's something that's worthy of argument at all. You know, and and this might take things on a a whole nother route too, but um, I'm interested, what do you think the perception is where... You know, we all know what it looks like when coaches succeed and leave, right? And and the frustration that that brings, right? Aron Ganada's guy has kind of made it clear where, hey, if I could win here, 
I'm staying here. I'm 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 here for the long haul. I want to do this mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. 20 years, right? Does that play into a decision as far as, okay, let's just say for argument's sake, someone else comes in, is able to win. How many more people out there um, that are coaching men's basketball view the University of Hawaii as a final destination place, right? And do you play, the, is, is there anything to be said about that as far as like, okay, is that what you're chasing, right? Is, is get a coach in here that's going to win and leave, and then hopefully the next coach is as good as that coach, and or, or do you give Iran Ganat wiggle room to have a non-winning season for once, and but knowing that if he catches hot and he gets this thing going, and, and you know, and there, it's a machine, you get new gears to the machine, you keep this thing rolling. This is a guy that could be here for the next twenty years. Yeah, I think you think about the fact that he has two uh, years remaining on the contract. That's obviously going to be a big part of this, right? What kind of financial situation is Hawaii as an institution, athletic department, in to be able to even make these kinds of considerations? The other thing is you have to realistically look. They're going to lose a lot from this year's team. They're going to lose some key pieces, veteran pieces, uh, guys who I think made a lot of people feel like with the new additions this year, uh, we're going to put together a pretty strong product, yeah. and it hasn't quite played out that way and so it's going to be you can argue uh it's going to require some retooling and rebuilding here in the season yeah. to come if you're the athletics director if you're the fan base uh is that the kind of patience uh you feel is justifiable to have here to allow this guy who has put together a vast majority of winning seasons and a certain level of success in the program get this guy an opportunity to uh, build it back up i, I think that's uh, some of the precise questions that are going to have to be answered Answered. Try Domino's Mix and Match Special. Download the Domino's app. Get any combo of items for just $8.99 each. You can find the Mix and Match deals under the coupon section on the app. Domino's Hawaii, they deliver. Aloha. We'll be back. Hey, welcome back. UH men's baseball coach Rich Hill, UH women's soccer coach Bud Nagamine joined Chef Zone for the first coach's cook-off. The coaches went head-to-head preparing dishes with Chef Alan Wong's guidance. You can check out the full video. It's out now on the ESPN Honolulu YouTube page and Chef Zone's Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you're hungry, right? Talking about the chef stuff. Yeah. Uh, you got this like hungry look on your oh, face. Oh, is it probably. the drool dripping down <laughs> my chin that, that tells you that? Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, do our best and worst real quick. Get you out of here so you can eat. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, I'm going to go best. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about that big, huge event that's ha- taking place uh, in Las Vegas this weekend. Of course, I'm talking about UFC Fight Night, which features Brad Tavares and Dan Ige, a couple of Hawaii guys that train out at Extreme Couture. It's really cool because these two guys are, are training partners and, and really good friends the first time that they ever get to fight on the same card so check it out saturday 2 p.m hawaii time on espn plus brad tavares fighting gregory rodriguez dan ige against andre feely all right my best cristobal del solar on the corn ferry tour uh, in bogota colombia shot a pga tour sanctioned event record 13 under 57 yeah i can shoot a 57 on the front nine (laughs) all right uh do you have time for your worst get it in real quick we got 20 uh, seconds uh, Moe's Southwest Grill is my absolute favorite place to eat. I'm sick and tired of people saying Chipotle is Whoa. better. I will not stand for this disrespect. I love Chipotle, but Moe's, bro, Moe's is the best. See, I kind of like Chipotle. Come on. Honestly, aside from the E. coli, Chipotle is <laughs> pretty good. All right. Thanks, Robbie. See you tomorrow.